This morning's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. My, it's good to see you today. You look great. You're looking excellent at Easter. Would you turn to the neighbor next to you and just say, you look fantastic. By the way, I want to share at the outset, I have a problem today. Don't say amen. I have lots of problems. But that's another issue. I'm only going to tell you about one problem. Uh, This is an old church. I don't mean the folks here are old, we're all pretty young. But uh, the building is old, and the equipment is old, and we've been having a problem with this microphone, so as I start moving around, I cut out. So just extend some grace to me. If I cut out, what I do is, and I've learned to do this pretty well, I'll just back up and start over. It's it's not a problem, because we got out by 1 o'clock the other day, but... uh, so, not an issue, but I know you'll be patient if I start cutting out. Just wave your hand, it means uh, I'm gone, and I'll back up. One day, a mom took her kids to the beach, and at the beach, uh, they were playing around. Her four-year-old came up and grabbed her by the arm and started pulling her and drug her off to a part of the seashore, and there the four-year-old pointed to a dead seagull. And the child said, uh, Mom, what happened? And the mother said very quickly without thinking, Oh, uh, the seagull went to heaven to be with God. And the little boy looked at the seagull for a while, very puzzled, and he looked back to his mom and said, What's the matter? Did God throw him back? (laughs) Now, this morning, I do realize it's Easter. But I want to ask for a couple of responses. First of all, how many of you have been to a funeral? Raise your hand. Okay, I think most of us, if not all of us, Now, here's the next one. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but maybe you could wiggle your toes. How many of you have actually not only seen a corpse or a dead body, but you've actually touched a dead person? Not a pleasant thought, I realize. But we have been on a journey here at First Baptist, and uh, it's been quite a Lenten season where we have taken an in-depth look at the last hours and days of Jesus Christ and what led up to Easter. And we've been on this journey for many weeks now since the beginning of March. And we've now come through Holy Week with lots of services. And uh, in that journey, we have to confront death. 
And without death, there would be no Easter. And so I want to begin there today. The story is told about Socrates, the Greek philosopher, that he was by a stream one day, and a young student came up to him and said, Oh, Socrates, great one, what is truth? And Socrates reached over and grabbed the young man by the head and stuck his head underwater and held it there. A minute went by, two minutes went by. Pretty soon the student started flailing and trying to break free. And finally, at the last minute, Socrates raised him out of the water and said, Young man, when you want truth like you wanted air, you'll find the truth. And this morning I want to ask you, much do you really want the truth? How hard are you searching for truth, for what is real. Because I'd like to talk to you for just a moment about what really is real. And I'd particularly like to talk to those of you who come here with doubts today. Throughout this season, I've been thinking about this moment, and I would especially like to talk to you, if you have some doubts about Jesus, or God, or the resurrection, just go ahead and wiggle your toes. I'll, I'll see that, you know, and we'll acknowledge that together that you would say, Steve, I do have some doubts, and I particularly want to talk to you for a moment today. Now, we've been on this journey through the Gospel of Mark, and Mark has been our leader this year, and we've been reading different sections of the story he told about Jesus. Now, Mark is a pretty reliable source. Mark personally knew Jesus Christ. He saw him, probably ate with him, may have traveled a bit with him. We don't know any of the details, but we're sure Mark saw Jesus. Not only that... But Mark undoubtedly knew two of the greats of the church, Peter and Paul. And from personal knowledge, from talking to Peter, from talking to Paul, Mike then, uh, Mike, Mark then wrote this little story. And we're studying it today. And this morning I want to look more carefully at uh, just the first eight verses of chapter 16 of Mark. If you like to follow along in the scripture, there's a Bible in front of you. We're on page 54. Or, you can pull out of your worship folder one of these note sheets. That'll have the information as well. And I encourage you to find either a Bible or the note sheet and uh, to follow along with me. Now, one other thing as we go through. Um, how many of you had breakfast this morning? I mean, here at the church. That was a great breakfast, wasn't it? We've had quite a, a week through our Lenten series, and we've had dinner every Wednesday night. We've had Bible teaching uh, on Wednesday, we wrapped that up, and then Thursday, we had a great Monday Thursday service, and uh, the music and the prayers and the communion, it was just amazing. A good Friday service as well, and then we were here at 6.30, uh, earlier than that, but we had a worship service at 6.30 on the rooftop, which went very well. It was a little cooler up there than here, but it was a great morning. And I just want to express, before we go on with the message, a thanks to our staff and to our church members, we've had a great Easter week, and would you just give a round of applause to everybody who has helped out? Amen. One other thing before I come back to uh, Mark, you have this card, and Jennifer's going to tell you more about it in a moment, but if you have kids, we've got something very special coming up at the end of this month here at the church, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, put on by the Pasadena Junior Theater, and you'll be sure and take note of that. Now, this morning, as I mentioned, Mark is the person we've been following. And I particularly want to address you, if you would say, Steve, I'm not sure about Jesus, about the resurrection, about life after death, that's, that's a stretch. And so if, if you're a person who would say, yes, there has been some doubt in my mind, or perhaps in the past, perhaps presently, 
then I want to invite you for just a moment to bring your doubts to the tomb. To bring your doubts to the tomb. Listen as I read from uh, Mark chapter 1, and I'm going to read three verses. You can listen to the first three. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Again, I encourage you, bring your doubts to the tomb. We're going to join these women, Mary, the two Marys and Salome, as they went to the tomb that first Easter morning. The women were the last at the cross and the first at the tomb. The great brave apostles or disciples of Jesus, those twelve reduced to eleven, what did they do on that night? Well, we've already studied the story about how in the Garden of Gethsemane they fled, they left. But the women didn't leave, they stayed. And they knew where Jesus was buried. And they came back, and the Scripture says, wanted to anoint him. I think they also came. They just wanted to be near their dead Lord, near Jesus. They wanted to see him one more time, even if he was dead. And so they come to the tomb. Now, this morning, I invite you to bring your doubts to the tomb. The great Presbyterian writer, Frederick Buechner, says this, and I've always loved this quote, Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. Have you ever had ants in your pants? I won't, we won't go there. But doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it alive and moving. And this morning I invite you to come with the women to look at the tomb. I want to tell you about someone who has done that not that long ago. Uh, Joyce and I spent some wonderful years in Chicago. And in Chicago was a, a reporter named Lee Strobel. He was your classic reporter. Hard-nosed, hard-drinking, degree in law, a brilliant man. And uh, Lee says this about himself. He was all business, in quote. He says, I was an atheist most of my life. I thought that the idea of an all-powerful, all-loving God was just silly. I learned in school that evolution was where life came from, so what did I need God for? And I had a lot of self-motivation for living an atheistic lifestyle. I was living a very immoral life. I was living a drunken life, and I was really 100% focused on journalism. Well, Lee's wife was also a non-believer, but she had a friend, and her friend invited her to church. Her friend began to talk to her about Christ. And after quite some time, Lee committed her life to Jesus Christ and shared, for her husband at least, I mean Lee's wife, shared with Lee the worst of all possible news. What was the news? His wife said, I've become a Christian. And that was the last thing on earth he wanted to hear. Well, Lee began to pray, uh, Lee's wife began to pray for Lee. For two years, she prayed for him. And she would encourage him to come to church. And he said, oh, I'm not going to church. Well, a few times he went to church with her. He hated it. But she kept praying. And she kept seeking God that God would touch Lee's heart and give him a new heart. That's what God does. Well, Lee became so uh, irritated with all this stuff, he finally said, well, all right, I'll read the book. I probably left out some adjectives, but he said, I'll read the book, but I'm going to read it like a reporter to disprove it, to check it out. And so for two years, he read the Bible, 
and he sought to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know what happened? You do. Lee moved from unbelief to doubt to belief. He became a Christian. In fact, he wrote up his study in a book called The Case for Christ. And he has become a very active, outspoken, strong believer in Jesus Christ. Now, this morning, as we're together, I simply want to ask you, if you'll do what the women did, if you'll do what Lee Strobel did, if you'll do what many others have done, come to the tomb. Bring your doubts along with you, but come to the tomb. And are you willing to seek the truth, even as a person whose head is underwater seeks air? And if you do, I think that uh, you will be in for a blessing, a good surprise. Now, my first statement then is, bring your doubts to the tomb. The second one is this. Receive the message from the tomb. Receive the message from the tomb. What is the message of the tomb? What does the tomb tell us? Well, it's interesting. We've been looking uh, this past week at the symbol of Christianity, and it's not an empty tomb. It's a cross, of course. But when you come to the tomb, what do you see? Let me read again from uh, the Scriptures. I want to read verses 4 and 5, particularly verse 4 right now. When they looked up, that's the women, they're at the tomb now, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. Now this really, this is kind of a sidebar comment I'd like to make. But as I read that Scripture over again yesterday morning, and I had read it, I don't know how many times throughout the past few weeks. So it just leaped off the page. You know, when we come to the tomb, we're in for a surprise. It's true. And these women came to the tomb, and they had a question mark in their head. The question mark was, who's going to roll away the stone? And when you think of a tomb, it's not like a tomb today. It was a cave-type tomb dug out of a rock and uh, like a little niche in the wall, and they would put the body in there and then roll the tomb over it to seal it. So when the women came there, they came not knowing how they were going to get the rock moved, but that didn't stop them from coming. And as they came, they wondered, what about the stone? Well, the surprise was when they got there, the stone was rolled away. Now let me tell you something. If you will honestly, doubts and all, seek the truth of Jesus Christ, he's going to surprise you. I'm surprised this morning. You know what I'm surprised about? I can't quite believe I'm standing in front of you preaching. If I think too much about it, I'll get nervous and sit down. Because I didn't grow up thinking, oh, I just can't wait to be a preacher. I had a whole other life in store and planned for me. Something else. But God surprised me, and here I am. You want to hear another surprise? All of you, all three or four hundred of you, come back next week. We're going to meet in the chapel... And somebody who a few years ago was working for Blue Man Crew is going to preach to you. I'm going to be there. We're going to have a lot of fun. And nobody's more surprised than J.R. that you're going to be preaching next week, right? Come to the tomb, you're going to get a surprise. I don't know what God's surprise is for you, but I know if you come to the tomb, honestly, openly, you're going to be in for a surprise. The women were, and everybody since then has been surprised by Jesus. Because he just that's his nature, to surprise you. That's just a sidebar. Let's get back to the message. Um, what point are we on? Receive the message. Thank you. Bonnie's, uh, Bonnie's listening. Somebody, any, anybody else listening? <laughs> Receive the message. Uh, 
Seriously, verse 5. Let's put this scripture up. I'd like to read this scripture together. Uh, let's read it all at once. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. We have another slide. There we go. Who was crucified? He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. I want to repeat those four words that this young man, as Mark calls him, some would say an angel, there are four words here that are, were important and are shocking. He is not here. There were four more. Look where they laid him. Five. I think in Mark's Gospel it's four. See where they laid him. He is not here. Now, the women were not expecting that message. That was a surprise. And this morning, as you come to the tomb, the message of the tomb is, He's not here. He has been raised. And it reminds us of the words of Paul who said, If you will... Uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God, what? Raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You say, Steve, that can't be possible. Well, I don't think a resurrection can be possible either, but that's what God says. And this morning, I would encourage you to bring your doubts, all of them, and confess Jesus as Lord, believe in your heart as best you can, and you will be saved. That's the promise from God. It's a great promise. It's what Easter's all about. And that is the message of the tomb. He's not here. He has been raised. Um, would you like to hear a story about a priest, a Baptist preacher, and a rabbi? Well, you can skip it if you want, but what do you think? Father Flanagan uh, and uh, Billy Bob and uh, Rabbi Mordecai used to meet at uh, the local coffee shop for for lunch or coffee. They'd meet about once a week. They had become great friends and they'd always meet and talk about, you know, their boards and their churches and so forth. And one day, I don't know how it happened, but they began to talk about converting people and they said, you know what would really be a, a challenge is to convert a bear. And one thing led to another and uh, pretty soon they decided, well, let's try to convert a bear. And so they kind of made a bet, you know, crazy preachers. And they decided, we'll meet back here in seven days and see who can really convert a bear. And, of course, Billy Bob the Baptist was on fire. He, he knew he could convert a bear. So seven days later, they show up at the coffee shop. And the uh, Father Flanagan, the priest, comes in, and he's a little beat up. And uh, he's, got, he's on a crutch, you know, and his arm's in a sling, and he's got some scratches and so forth. And, and they say, Father Flanagan, what happened? He said, well, I went out there. Finding a bear was no problem. I found me a bear... And I began to give him the catechism, and I could tell he was getting irritated with me. He began to slap me around quite a bit. So I reached in, and I got my holy water, and I sprinkled him real quick, and I said, Mary, Mother of God, and pretty soon he became gentle as a lamb. And he said, in fact, next week the bishop is coming out, we're going to give him his first communion. Of course, the Baptist couldn't stand it, and uh, he said, well, I've got a story, but Billy Bob, he was sitting in a wheelchair, bow legs broken, his arm was broken, he was a mess. And he said, well, I went out and found my bear. And uh, he said, I got out God's holy word and I began to preach to that bear. And he wouldn't listen to me. And I preached harder and louder. And finally I grabbed hold of that bear and we rolled up one hill and down the other and splashed into the creek. And I got him down. I said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I baptized that bear. 
And he said, we spent the rest of the day reading the Bible and singing praise songs. It was amazing. Well, they looked at uh, the rabbi. He was there, but he had come in by ambulance. He was, on a, he was on a hospital bed in traction, both legs up, wrapped up like a mummy. You could only see his head. And he tried to smile, and he said the following. Looking back on it, folks, circumcision may not have been the best way to start out with that bear. <clears throat> well, uh, I, I'm sorry. You asked for it. I'm just glad I'm a Baptist. That's all. Uh, Back to the message of the tomb. The message of the tomb is really quite clear. Whether you read Mark's gospel or any other gospel, you, you only have a couple choices. It's not complicated. When you come to the tomb, it's empty. All four gospels say so. They explain that. Now, the truth is, either somebody stole Jesus' body and he's still buried in the sands of the Middle East somewhere, or stuck in a cave... Or he's alive. Which is it? What do you believe? The Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to invite you as we're still lingering at the tomb, as you leave the tomb this morning, leave with new life. Leave with new life. That's what it's about. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, can be the power God gives to you to give you new life, to face the challenges you face, to live your life for God in this time and to be with God in the next time. And I I challenge you, doubts and all, to come, take that step of faith. Let me read to you the final two verses from Mark. In Mark chapter 16, verse 7, the uh, man at the tomb said this, Go! Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Huh? Say what? Now the Gospel of Mark is a little bit like some of these books. Have you ever read one of those books where if you want one ending, you can turn to one section, there's another section, and you can go and get a different ending? There's about two or three of these in Mark. And uh, scholars struggle with, you know, what, what's, what's going on here? Mark obviously didn't have an editor because nobody would let him end the gospel like this. Because these women come to the tomb, they look inside, they hear the message, and it says they're filled with amazement. I think part of them wanted to believe it. Could it be that he's alive? That'd be amazing. And then another part of them said, what are you, stupid? People don't come back from the dead. And who is this guy in there? And they were terrified. And I think that that's a good way to describe many of us. We're not that different from the women, are we? Jesus said that if you will come and have just a small seed of faith, God will honor that. Just a tiny seed, he said. Plant that faith and watch it grow. It'll grow up. In fact, there's a story of a man who came to Jesus with a sick child. He knew from Jesus' reputation, Jesus can... Uh, heal the child. And so he said, Jesus, would you heal the child? And Jesus said, if you believe, I'll heal the child. That puts you in a box, doesn't it, as a parent? Of course, the parent immediately said, I believe! But I think in the back of his mind was this question mark. Is he going to heal my child? 
And it's an incredibly honest statement because there the man says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. He had both belief and unbelief. And Jesus helped him. And this morning, that's what I want to say to you as you come to this service and as you come to the tomb. uh, Don't leave here without new life. Because it can be yours. And that's what Jesus wants for you. Receive the new life. You say, Steve, how? Simply confess Jesus as Lord. Believe in your heart as best you can. And the Bible says He gives you new life. He gives you that new heart. Just like He gave that to Lee Strobel. Will you do it? I pray that you will. From faith to doubt. From belief and doubt. Jesus said if you have the tiniest amount of faith, it's enough. Just a seed will do. Friend, without a doubt, God loves you. Without a doubt, God sent Jesus into the world. Without a doubt, Jesus died on Good Friday. And without a doubt, He has come back from the dead. And He can give you everlasting life. Will you believe it? Will you receive it? Will you accept the promise and leave here with new life? I I pray you will. Here's a poem that I want to conclude with. And after I read this, I'm going to ask you to stand only if you want to pray the prayer. But if you'd like to pray a prayer of faith, we're going to have that prayer on the screen and I'll pray it with you. It's a prayer that simply encourages us in faith and commits our faith to God. And I'll ask you to stand in a moment. But first this. Doubt sees obstacles. Faith sees the way. Doubt sees the darkest night. Faith sees the day. Doubt dreads to take a step. Faith soars on high. Doubt questions, who believes? Faith answers, I. This morning, come with your doubts and all. And place your faith in the one who has faith in you. Will you do that? Place your faith in the one who has faith in you. Would you stand and read this prayer with me? Lord, come alive within my experience, within my sorrows and disappointments and doubts, within the ordinary movements of my life. Come alive as the peace and joy and assurance that is stronger than locked doors within, with which we try to shut out life. Lord Jesus Christ, come alive in me that I may fully live. Amen.